Well, good morning, everyone. It's really, really good to see you guys here today. I'm really glad you guys decided to spend some time with us today. And I'm really just blown away by the generosity of this group of people. You know, uh, just just to see the, the amount that you guys have put forward to the Christmas offering. We're going to be able to do a lot of good. A lot of good is going to be done because of the generosity of this group of people. I'm really honored just to be a part of you guys. <clears throat> so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the idea of just relating well. Now, you know, relating well with other people is just absolutely necessary. <clears throat> uh, just if you want your relationships to really grow over time, where you really want teams that you're on to really come together, if you really want to accomplish things, you really have to learn to relate well. It, it, it's very, it's, it's just a necessity for family life. It's really just a necessity for accomplishing things in the kingdom, both individually and together. It's just absolutely necessary just for success at work and making progress in your career and just living in our culture. It's just to be able to relate well is a big deal and uh, it makes a huge impact. It's really, it's really absolutely necessary that we learn to do that. But there's a lot of forces in our, in our culture that really kind of work against that. A lot of forces work in our culture against that. And one of those is just this atmosphere of being evaluated and judged by other people. This atmosphere of being evaluated and judged by other people. In fact, there's a, there's a company that tries to address this. Uh, some of you may, may recognize uh, this picture for Planet Fitness. <laughs> you know, Planet Fitness, they, they see this and they think, we want to have a judgment-free zone, which is a great idea. But what they're looking at is they're trying to make a place where just normal people can come in, not guys that are muscle-bound and, you know, know exactly what everything they're doing, but you can come in there and just not know what you're doing but try to really do more for your life. And so they, that's, that's the idea behind this. Um, but they, they also, what they do is they try to make sure that judgmental people don't come in there, like the people that are muscle-bound with tank tops and they pick up weights that, you know, like picking up your car and, and then they grunt a lot and they drop the weights and go, yeah, you know, they're doing all these kind of things. They're, those people just make you feel judged. And so they try to weed that out. And uh, the problem is, to do that, <clears throat> they actually come up with kind of really a judging environment. I mean, it's a, they have something called a lunk alarm. Now, <laughs> so if you come in there and you, like, drop the weights, yeah, well, this alarm goes off. There's a lunk. In fact, if you look on the screen, there's the, there's the, this is what's posted on the wall, on the lunk alarm. Uh, a lunk is one who grunts, drops weights, or judges. That's what a lunk is. In fact, they even give an illustration. I can't read it on the screen down there. I'll read it here. Rick is slamming his weights, wearing a bodybuilding tank top, and drinking out of a gallon water jug. What a lunk. Now, I know about you, but that seems a little judgmental to me. I just, I just, it just seems a little judgmental. You know, it's, uh, so if you go in there and you, Let's say you, you're like, you're trying to max out and, and you lift some weight, they go, there's a big, there's literally a buzzer that goes off for the whole place and they go, there's a lunk here. And people are looking at you. If you, uh, if you, uh, wear a tank top, they might say, here's a shirt you need to wear if you're going to stay or you can go home and change. Um, if you, uh, if you drop your weights, they're like, lunk. So everything you do, it's like, so, you know, people go in there, they're kind of afraid they're going to set off the lunk alarm. And the judgment-free zone turns to be not a very good judgment-free zone if you're trying to do something. In fact, there's a lot of judging that happens there in their judgment-free zone. 
And what if, what if you're in there and you're just completely misjudged? If you're completely misjudged and the intentions you had are just totally misrepresented. Like, let's say you start working out and your hands start getting sweaty. And you're, the weight, the dumbbell slips out of your hand and hits the ground. Burnt, look. Well, no, no, look, honest, my hands are sweaty. Um, or, you know, you, uh, you're on your 10th rep of your third set and that 100 pounds just got a whole lot heavier <laughs> and you're trying to put it up and you're, you start grunting and people, aren't long. You just feel really misunderstood. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of that that goes on there in the judgment free zone. You know, true judgment free zones are really hard to come by. They're really, really hard to come by. In fact, this year, um, yeah, there's an Australian dictionary called the Macquarie Dictionary. I've never heard of it before. But I guess dictionaries have this habit of picking the word of the year. So their word of the year for 2019 is cancel culture. Take a look at that. So in just this, you know, this idea where if you get, if you think badly about someone, you're, you're, you, you don't like what they do, you just cancel them out. <clears throat> we do that as like a, as a culture. We can do that personally. But the definition that was in the New York Times on this canceling is just an act of withdrawing from someone whose expression whether political, artistic, or otherwise, was once welcome, or at least tolerated, but no longer is. <clears throat> and so, you know, that's become some. We've seen that happen many times in our culture here in the last few years, where someone just gets canceled out. <clears throat> and a lot of times, it happens before there's any real understanding of really what the truth is of a situation. It just happens. Like, you know, I've read some accounts where people went on Twitter. And they said something that was misunderstood in just you know, very few characters. And then there's like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that glom on and just begin passing all kinds of judgment based on everything they know about this person, which is like two sentences. And there's actually been really, there's been several accounts where people have lost their jobs because of a misunderstood tweet. And then, uh, then find out later, there's a lot of folks that what they find out that really what they, Everyone assumed was true about them is actually just off pace. They just misunderstood what it is they typed. <clears throat> Excuse me, but they still lost their jobs and it's really a hard, hard, hard way to come back. So that's something that's happening in our culture right now. But it's also that idea also just comes into our personal relationships. You know, there's this idea it can, you know, it's really easy just to make snap judgments of people. Like you see something, make a snap judgment <clears throat> about how they're relating in a certain area and the judgment just paints them. You change it. It's like kind of like bad people. And then they're, it's really easy to get to a place where you just kind of cancel people out. You kind of write people off and maybe cancel them out of your life. It's a very prevalent just in the relationships as you guys have seen, just as you go to work, as you go to different places, people just, they just withdraw from other people because they're, they're, they're judging them and on what they've done. So how do we navigate relationally in light of all this? How do we navigate relationally? Because this is the world we're in. <clears throat> we see that a lot at work. We see a lot of different places in our, in our lives. We can be a lot in our family. Because we all have the, we all have this tendency to make snap judgments and really act like we know what's going on in someone's heart. We just, we have this tendency to do that and feel like we really know what's going on with somebody without having not much information. And we, we all see things in other people. We all see things in other people. We see how they handle things. We see what they're struggling with. We see maybe bad results they're having because of what they've done or their conduct. Um, maybe it's with your boss. Maybe you're, you're kind of, you're looking at your boss and just kind of seeing 
things that he's doing. Maybe it's uh, with your spouse. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your parents. He's just, you're seeing what they're doing. You're making snap judgments. You don't really understand what's going on, but you're acting like you do. So that's what we want to talk about today is how do you actually navigate in light of the fact that we're kind of wired that way? And what do we do with those observations? What do we do with those observations that we that we make about people, that we notice about people? <clears throat> well, this morning, I want to look at what Jesus had to say about that and try to just glean some uh, some helpful helpful advice on how to really approach that. And we're going to be looking at <clears throat> uh, a passage in Matthew. Now, Matthew captures a talk that Jesus gave, the account, Matthew's account of Jesus' life. He captures a talk that Jesus gave where Jesus presented the sweeping view of what your life could be, the sweeping view of the kind of life that's really fruitful and fulfilling, that really makes a difference. And Matthew captured it all in Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. But at the end of that, as he wrapped up, Jesus wrapped up his, his talk that day, <clears throat> this sweeping talk about how life really works. He said this. I want us to take a look at Matthew uh, 7.24. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on a rock. What he was saying is, he said, if you will really pay attention to what I just shared with you and really put what I said into practice, then your life will be really stable. You'll have foundation. It'll go down deep. And when the storms and the problems in life hit you, they will move past at some point and you'll be left standing. He said, if you do that, this is what's going to happen. And then immediately he said this in the next verse. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, one thing I noticed, because <clears throat> he's comparing and contrasting here, what he doesn't compare and contrast is the fact that the rain's coming and the storm's coming. And things are coming into your life. There's going to be hard things in life. And I've really seen that in my own life just as I've, just as I've lived it. So those things are coming. And what he said, what he was saying, he said, if you really pay attention to everything that I just said, but you don't put them into practice for whatever reason, then your life will just be sitting on your own thinking and on what you think and what you think you should do. And then when the hard times come, those storms come. You just be, you'll just, uh, uh, you'll just be taken out of the game. You'll just, you, your life will crash down. Now, I, I don't, Jesus wasn't sharing this just to try to make people feel guilty or feel bad. He was really trying to get our attention so that we would just really listen to what he was saying because if we would just do what he said, it really, it really makes a huge difference in the way our lives turn out. So what, everything that Jesus covered and talked about, Matthew 5 through 7, are in that category. These are things that if we act on them, they really will give us a real foundational connection and really a real foundation in our life. So what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at one of those things. And we need to remember that it really is foundational in relating well with other people. <clears throat> and if we'll, if we'll really understand it and put it into practice, it really will make a huge difference in our lives. So here's what Jesus said. I'd like to look at Matthew 7, uh, Verse 1, the very, very beginning part. He just says, do not judge. 
Now, that's not all he said. We're going to go through what he said for about five verses, but he said, do not judge. He said, don't condemn people. Don't pass judgment on the kind, on the kind of people you think people are just based on what you observe. Don't pass judgment on people. And then he goes on to say, go ahead and go to the next verse. He says, do not judge. He ended that with a comma and not a period. And I think a lot of times people just remember, do not judge. And that's what they remember. And they, they can kind of use that as like, hey, don't, hey, mind your own business. Don't, don't tell me what to do. In fact, you know, Jesus said, don't judge. So don't criticize me or don't confront me about things. Just any, what you do is you kind of cut yourself off from the help that you really need. But like I said, Jesus didn't end with a comma. He ended with a period. He ended with a comma. And he continued on. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. <clears throat> you know, when you condemn other people, they just condemn you right back. I think all of us have really watched that happen. If you condemn someone, they just condemn you right back. In fact, if you go to the judgment-free zone in, uh, uh, in uh, Planet Fitness, you'll definitely see that. You know, there'll be some judgment going. In fact, if you just Google judgment-free zone uh, and just do a search on judgment-free zone, you'll find a lot of people that go on there and kind of really vent and just talk about how they're so judgmental and this is why they judge me. So when you, when you judge other people, they just judge you right back. And everything begins to get unraveled, spins out of control, and relationships are really damaged, and it causes distance, and it, it pulls people apart. And what you can do is you can begin to write people off if uh, just because of all the, the things that you believe about them. And then Jesus goes on and he says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, what measure do you want to be judged by? You know, I'm, for me personally, I'd rather not be judged. I don't know about you guys. I'd just rather not be judged. But if I was judged, if someone was observing things in my life, I'd really like them to judge me with mercy. I'd really like them to really just take into account who I am and where I'm coming from, get to know me, get to know my upbringing, maybe the insecurities I have, the things I struggle with, really get to know me before they ever passed any kind of judgment on me. Um that's what I'd really want. So whatever you judge people, that's exactly the way they judge you back. Then Jesus goes on <clears throat> in, uh, in verse three, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? I think one thing, one thing Jesus is trying to make clear there is we all have issues. We all have things we need help with. We all have shortcomings we all have habits that are hurting us we all have sin that we're dealing with that's causing us difficulties we all have things we need help with <clears throat> and then we <clears throat> when we pass judgment we condemn other people we're really forgetting that we're forgetting that actually we need help too and then another thing that jesus makes clear here is that you know the person that you're you're, you're looking at they, they actually do have a speck in their eye there actually is something they really need to work on and you really do have a plank in your eye there really are things you really need to work on there's things that uh, we really do need to work on. And what Jesus wants us to see is that when we look around and we go, oh, man, I think they're kind of messed up. He wants us to remind us to think, well, actually, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of messed up too. And what happens when that happens is you begin to be on the same playing field. You're no longer like looking down at somebody. When you begin to realize, hey, I need help too. I need to work on things. It brings you down to the same playing field. And you... You begin to, to see people differently. 
And uh, Jesus doesn't end there either. He ends, he kind of comes to the, the culmination. He comes to the, to the point of these five verses in verse 5. And he says this. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, a word like hypocrite gets your attention. And I think he was trying to get our attention. And I think when he, when he said the word hypocrite, he was thinking of a hypocrite seems to be described as someone who judges other people and acts as if they've done nothing wrong themselves. And I, and I think that's what he's saying is don't fall into that. Don't fall into that. But he said, in light of what I've been saying, he gives us two things to do. He gives us two things to do that really go, they really are a huge part of being able to relate well with other people and in different groups. And these two things that if you will, we really will do them, they really do build a foundation into our lives and begin to relate well. So the first thing he says is take, first take the plank out of your own eye. First take the plank out of your own eye. Deal with the issues in your own life. Identify them, work on them, ask God to help you with them. Ask other people for help as you try to figure these things out. <clears throat> but deal with those things. And when you come to a place where you know how much help you need, what he says is then you'll see clearly. And the second, so the second thing we do that Jesus was saying that we need to do to really have a foundational foundation in our life is he says, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So when you see the issues in someone else's life, Jesus isn't just teaching, you know, don't condemn them and leave them alone. He's not saying, just mind your own business. He's not saying that. What he's saying is something more like this. He's, he's saying, it's all about getting to a place where you know all the help that you need so that you can appropriately approach someone else about the stuff in their lives. I'll say that again. It's really about getting to a place where you know all the help you need so that you can appropriately approach someone else about the stuff in their life. You know, if that sounds judgmental to approach somebody like that, it's not. It's not. It's simply loving one another. It's simply what loving one another looks like. So when Jesus, when he said do not judge, he didn't say do not care. When he said do not judge, he didn't say do not act. What he wants to do is he wants to leverage what he's done in your life and through your life for the sake of someone else. He really wants to leverage what he's done in your life, the help he's given you in the life of someone else. That's really what, that's really what he wants to do. Now, this morning, I'd like to watch a clip from a movie that I think kind of, that, that, that kind of captures, paints a picture of what Jesus is trying to talk about here. And, this, uh, it's a clip from a movie called Wonder. I don't know, have any of you guys seen the movie Wonder? It's a, it's, it's a really good movie. Um, it's very moving. It's about a, it's about a boy that has a facial deformity and he, he wore an, he basically just wears an astronaut helmet everywhere he goes so he can just go out into the world and not endure the, the judgment and the, and the, the uh, ridicule of people. And the movie's really about him learning to live in the real world as his real self. And so it's, it's really a, it's a great movie. I really recommend it. And, uh, just a few things about his family. As I just set up this clip, 
His family lives in a really nice house. He has both his mom and his dad, and they're very engaged with him. They, they love him. And he has a sister named Via that he has a pretty good relationship with. And he has a dog named Daisy. Now, one thing that's movie, that's really unique about this movie is it, it shows characters observing things in other people and kind of passing judgment on them. And then it shows you that person and what's going on in their life. And it kind of shows you what's really going on. And it, it just changes everything you thought you knew about that person. And so the movie's just, it's a really unique movie and it shows things from different vantage points. And in this clip, you're going to see uh, the little boy's sister. Her name's Via. She had a friend named Miranda. And Miranda came back from summer camp, and they're teenagers. She came back from summer camp, and she's completely shunned Via. She's just cut her out. And Via is trying to figure that out. And what she does is she, she just judges, and she goes, it's because she doesn't like me anymore. And she shuns her back. And so they just be completely separated. And what you're going to see in this clip, you'll see her talk, uh, Via talk a little bit about this. And then you're going to see what's happening in Miranda's life. And we're going to find out what's, what's going on with her. And then I'll come back. So let's go ahead and watch this clip. Augie, I'm sorry, but you're not the only one who has bad days. Bad days? Do people avoid touching you? When a person accidentally touches you, do they call it the plague? No. Jack was all I had. Just don't compare your bad days at school to mine, okay? Okay. Hey. Did you notice that Miranda doesn't come around anymore? What? You didn't. Shocker. Yeah. She went away to camp this summer, and now she doesn't like me anymore. Why? Because school sucks, and people change. So if you want to be a normal kid, Augie, then those are the rules. So let's go trick-or-treating, okay? Because right now, we're each other's best friends. Really? Yes. So, come on. I'll let you have all my Halloween candy. Everybody say Merry Christmas! Merry, Merry Christmas! Christmas! But now my dad's busy with his new wife, who was his old boss. And my mom will. She's busy not getting over that. I got a job at a summer camp, just so I'd have somewhere to go that wasn't home. One day, and I swear I didn't plan this, but I started playing this little make-believe game with the girls in the camp. I said I lived in a huge brownstone on a nice street with my two awesome parents and my awesome dog named Daisy and my awesome little brother with a facial deformity. And oh my God, everyone went crazy. What do you mean deformity? What does he look like? Suddenly everyone wanted to talk to me. And by the end of summer, I was the most popular girl in camp. When I got home, I wanted to call Via, 
but she would have asked me about my parents and about camp. Then I saw Via audition for the play, and I remembered how cool she is, and how I understood why everyone in camp loved me more when I pretended to be her. She used to let Augie hang out with us all the time. I was the one who bought him his astronaut helmet. He was so into outer space. And I wanted him to know that the world was bigger than his room. And now he's out there. And I didn't even know. I could have helped him. Maybe he could have helped me. I don't know. But I could sure use some help right now. See, Miranda really cared about her, really cared about her family. And she said, I sure could use some help right now. But she felt like she couldn't approach her, so she put distance between her. Now, because Via had judged Miranda, she just she just couldn't get close enough to see clearly what was really going on. And, um, but I think that if Via could have gotten close enough to see what Miranda's what was really going on with her. What would have happened is if nothing would have separated them, would have pulled them to, to pulled them together. She'd have been moved by that and really wanted to help her. And I think that's the dynamic that Jesus is talking about here. The dynamic is it moves from two people who are judging each other being pulled apart, but really a dynamic where where you have one person who needs a lot of help, who's getting help by God and others really connecting with someone else who also needs a lot of help. And they're on the same playing field and they really and, and it really draws them together. And that's that's the I think that's the picture that Jesus had when he said this is that if we could just stop judging each other and thinking we know everything about each other, but just get close enough to really get to know each other and what we're really dealing with, we could really be potentially helped, be a person that could help them uh, as God really works through us and share with them some things that God's really done for us. <clears throat> so this morning, so what, what, do, what do we do with this this week? What do we do with this this week? I'd like to just go through like just three particular groups of people that uh, might hear what this, that, that might be uh, looking at this, uh, this passage today. And as I talk about these groups of people, you can just think about, Hey, am I in that group? Or maybe more one of those groups. Like, am I in one of those groups? And then we'll talk about like what you can do if you are in that group. So, you know, group number one, th- these are folks that just have a tendency to see, uh, to not see their own shortcomings, but to really size other people up. And they tend to pass judgment as if they could see clearly, and they tend to write people off um, and kind of cancel them out of their life. Now, I, I've been canceled. Uh, probably many of us could say, We've had that experience. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell a story. I, I don't want to. I want to protect someone's identity. But just there's a person at work that ten years ago he decided that he made some snap judgments. I spent some time with him. I listened to him, and I some of the things were were on, and I told him I'd work on those things. The other things were just really off base. But he just wouldn't. He would not let it go, and he just kind of canceled me out of his life. And even now, if I get on an elevator with him, he acts like I'm not in the elevator. And I'm a hard guy to miss. You know, when I'm in the elevator, 
it's pretty clear I'm in the elevator. So, but, um, but it just, it feels bad. I, I pray for him and I pray for any opening from him at all, but it's just, it's hard thing. Now, if you find yourself in this group, you know, maybe you've canceled, uh, someone out of your life. Um, really, um, the way, what you need to do is just repent of that and just look at your own issues and ask God really to begin working with you and begin to really work. You begin to really see that you personally need help and that you really need that from God and really, really to pursue Him. Now, if you're, now another group, group number two, <clears throat> these are folks that maybe they have the tendency to just kind of size people up, but they wind up walking away from them. Like, you know, God has really done something in their heart and life and they really see clearly in this other person, like what, what uh, sin is doing to them, uh, what that, what the habit, the habit is doing to them. Maybe the way they're relating, how it's affecting their family. They can really see that clearly. But they, they think, well, man, I got problems too. And, you know, who am I to judge? And I, I, I just not going to talk to them. I'm going to, it's really, it's really none of my business. In fact, if I go to them, they're going to tell me that. There's none of my business. And I want to just, just, just say this morning, if you find yourself in that group, then really what you need to do is you need to approach that person Get some time with them and really listen to them and really get to understand and know them. And then as they begin to bring things up they need help with, offer to help. That's, that's something that you could do today if you find yourself in that group. Now it might feel kind of awkward when you do that. It might feel, uh, maybe, it might be really difficult to do what I just said, but that's really what loving one another looks like. And again, what God really wants to do is He wants to leverage what He's done in your life to really help other people. And so that's, if you're in that group, that's, that's, that's what you could, that's how you could apply what we talked about today. Now, group number three, you know, uh, maybe, you know, this is someone who's, who's had someone approach them in a very kind way, but they just refuse to listen. They just, uh, you know, someone comes to them about something in their life and they just kind of write them off as just being judgmental. And the person, maybe the person said something like, Hey, I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm just trying to help you, but, but your response was, this is none of your business. And you could just mind your own business. What they do is they cut themselves off from the help they really need. And I'd say, if you find yourself in that group, if you find yourself in that group, you know what, you're probably thinking, you know, when that person confronted you or when they brought something up, you probably knew that they were right about something. You probably knew that they were onto something. Uh, you could see the problems too, and you, and you really, you really do know that something really needs to change. You, you probably see that as well. What you, a way to respond to this, what you really need to do if you're in that group, is you just need to simply admit that you need help. Simply admit you need help and listen to them. Uh, go back and re-engage with them and listen to what it is they wanted to help you with. Or it could be maybe someone hasn't done that. Maybe people around you are kind of afraid to talk to you because they think that you're going to have that re- response. Like it's none of your business. So what you could do is look for someone that you know is connected to God and God's really worked in their life and then go to them and say, hey, I could use some help. I could use some help with this. Have you ever dealt with anything like this? You could go and talk to someone like that. And that would be huge. Now, what I want to do is as I, as I just wrap up this morning, I want to look at Proverbs twenty five twelve. The writer the writer of Proverbs said this, this, this proverb said, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. 
You know, he's entering a gold and ornaments of fine gold is like some of the most beautiful things in that culture. And he says, you know what? One of the most beautiful things in the world is when you get a wise reprover and a listening ear connected to each other. It draws them together and people get the help they need. People make progress. And I really think that that is part of what Jesus was teaching here. Is Jesus, he said that when, if we can cut condemnation out of our relationships, if we can cut condemnation out of our relationships, what it does is it provides an opportunity to connect those who have been helped and have something to offer with people who desperately need help. And sometimes that can switch. You know, we all desperately need help, but it's connecting someone who's been helped by God and be able to pass that on and really help someone else. That's what Jesus wants to see happen. Now, uh, as we, as we finish today, I just want to imagine, just imagine what it'd be like, um, in these different scenarios. Like imagine if you didn't judge your boss and you dealt with the things that you're dealing with and you found, look for ways to come alongside and help him or her. Maybe, uh, what if you didn't judge coworkers on your team and you actually got to know them and you came alongside and, and look for ways to help them? Um, what if you didn't judge your kids? What if you came alongside, you listened to them, find out what they're really dealing with and really help them where they're at? Maybe if you didn't judge your husband, maybe if you didn't judge your wife. So this, this morning, as you think about next steps, just, just think through maybe what group you're falling in uh, or maybe it's something else that God teaches you today, but just put into practice this truth that Jesus gave us today and what you'll see is your relationships begin to really do well and you really do make progress. So with that, I'd like to, I'd like to go ahead and ask the band to go ahead and come back up. Um, you can finish filling out your connection cards now if you haven't and drop them in the offering basket when it comes by. And then I just want to pray for us. Dear God, Father, um, we're just very grateful to you that you have helped us. God, that you have worked in our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us, Father, to be free from the condemnation that just is so easy to fall into and really begin to get connected to other people, see where they need help, and be a part of what you're doing in their life and help them. In Jesus' name, amen.